Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tip-Off. I'm Simon, and joining me as he always does is Arnav. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing just fine. You ready to get into some NBA draft slash free agency news? Yes, sir. I've been waiting for the offseason since the season ended, and the draft is right around the corner, November 18th. So I'm excited to talk about all the prospects. Yes, and we finally got clarity of when the NBA free agency would happen. The NBA coming out and saying that free agency would open November 20th, two days after the NBA draft. So we can see what some teams do with some big names out there, like Giannis Antetokounmpo or um, Anthony Davis. But I think that we all suspect him re-signing with the Lakers, barring something amazing happening what so the s- thing is you're you're usually trying to get these guys and your team at least on the first team practice together but now with free agency being only like 10 days long it'll be great to see how much the league can change in such a short time in world. yeah i saw something today it said that the time off that the lakers had was like 71 games from when he's in the start, which is December 22nd, and the time that they played their last game against the Miami Heat in the finals is to be 71 days, while other teams that weren't invited to the bubble, like the Timberwolves, the Warriors, and the Bulls, they all have had 278 days off. So the NBA was in a in a lose-lose situation I felt like because they wanted to get their money because if they wanted to start near Martin Luther King Jr. Day like some of the players wanted to uh, which which is later in January compared to a December 22nd start it would cost the NBA over a billion dollars in revenue which is a big reason why the owners and the league wanted to start the season as early as possible. But on the other hand, you have teams like the Lakers and the Heat with stars like LeBron James, who is getting older by the day. And Yeah, didn't reports come out saying that he would be cherry-picking for the first month or whatever? I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, um, I think... That was kind of a joke, but in all seriousness, I've heard that he probably won't play until February or whenever the season starts due to uh, his shorter offseason compared to the other teams. I think it's fair for him to want that so far down his career, but at the same time, you know, the argument against that is always people want to see you play. I guess not as much for fans anymore, but... We will see what the NBA does about fans. That's an interesting point you bring up. I can't really see every NBA team opening up their stadiums to fans right away. I think that they'll do what the MLB and the NFL did with uh, by each state's rules on the pandemic. So you could have a 20% capacity in some while 0% in others, which I see is a way the NBA could go with how getting fans back into their stadium. But I know that by putting off the season, they want to get as many fans in each stadium as possible to uh, help make that extra revenue. Yeah, even though the bubble has been just like extremely successful, I think Adam Silver did a great job. But at the end of the day, a lot of the owners and the league did lose a huge amount of money. Yeah, they lost a lot of money with this pandemic, as did a lot of businesses. But they are the NBA is one of, if not the smartest uh, North American sports league out there. I think they're the best run. They have the best commissioner, and that if there's any, uh, if there's any league to find a way past all this, I think the NBA is the league to do that. Definitely huge props to Adam Silver. Yep, he has done a great job trying to not only make the money the NBA would 
make, even though I don't see that happening this season at all, but trying to get as much of that restored to normal as possible. But also giving the fans what they want to see, and I think everyone wants to see the NBA start up again as soon as possible. Definitely excited for next season already. It seems a little bit premature, but I'm not complaining, you know? Oh, I'm definitely not complaining either, especially after uh, having to sit through eight months now without Timberwolves basketball. (laughs) Timberwolves basketball, I'm sure that's that's not what I meant. I mean, I mean, (laughs) for also teams like the Warriors and the Bulls out there, and all the other hey, teams. if they pick Lamelo number one overall, I'll sit and watch every Timberwolves game with you. All right, deal. But I'm just saying, as a fan of those teams, I have not seen them play in 278 days until December 22nd. It, well, you're, I don't think you're missing out. Yeah, I can see, but it's always fun to watch your team, especially with. Uh, af- right after if you're a team like the Wolves that just got a whole new team basically at the trade deadline we only got to see a month of that if not even one game with Cat and D'Lo together so I think for a lot of Timberwolves fans out there they want to see what the future is and if this Cat D'Lo parent can actually win them something it might be a trio though I know we've all heard about a potential trade they can make. All right, well, shall we get into the draft talk, or should we start with free agency? I feel like we should do the draft before, just because... It's got a whole lot of implications on free agency, too. Yep, and it, it before free agency starts, technically. Yep, two days before. Let's start with the number one pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's... The last couple days, there's been a lot of speculation going across what the Wolves might do with that pick, or some of their later round picks too, but what what is your vibe you're getting from the Timberwolves on who they'll pick number one, as well as who do you think is the best fit for them, number one? So the thing about this draft is that there's no clear number one overall pick, and a lot of draft prospects look like they could they have really high ceilings but they could also fall really low and just be unproductive in the league based on the fit i think they will not even think about picking james wiseman and i think reports came out saying wiseman would not like to go to their timberwolves so i'm really debating between either lamello ball or anthony edwards for minnesota but of course, I think Lamelo Ball is the better player. I have a quick thing to ask you about this draft. Do you think that, regardless of fit, do you think that there is one player that stands out a little bit more than any other player in this draft? In my personal opinion, if I was an NBA GM and if I had the first pick in the draft, I would pick Lamelo Ball, a franchise point guard. I think he's the way to go. Six foot seven, he he can be good on defense too. I, I see him averaging at least one point five steals a game, and hopefully his shooting percentage is going to pick up. His free throw percentage is in the eighties, which is a good sign. But we definitely know the problems with him and his shot selection and all the thirty five feet contested three point pull ups. With 20 seconds on the clock, no one else has touched the ball. But I also think playing with uh, a better, a whole better set of players, a coach, I think the coach is also very important for Lamelo. I agree. Who, who would you select, number one overall? I think that there is a difference between best fit and best, uh, like, potential. Or best, not potential, but, like... Like, best pick. Like, not not the best fit, but the best overall player, you know? Yep. And I am hearing that Wiseman is overall, he could just be 
the best the best player in this draft easily, but the Wolves are scared to pair him with Cat. In past drafts, I look at other teams, like the Suns, for instance. A couple years ago, when they had the number one pick, and they took DeAndre Ayton, they went for fit with that pick, even though there was Luka Doncic up there, which has to be one of the biggest uh, misses in draft history, right? I think GMs are just still a little more skeptical about international players and players that don't take like the traditional road to go to college for a couple of years. I agree with that too. But I feel like that if you're a team drafting, that you shouldn't worry about fit. You should just try to take the best available player out there, at least for the top picks. When you get when you get further down in the draft, closer to the end of the lottery, beginning of the second round, that's when you uh, scout for players that will help your positional needs. But I think that you do have, if you're drafting in the top of the lottery, like the Wolves are, that you have to go for the player with the best potential and not the best fit for your team. I would probably agree with that assessment. But do you remember what you texted me the other day about the Wolves having the first pick in this draft? I think, you, I think you said, it is so like the Minnesota Timberwolves to have the first Yeah. It's, it's so like the Timberwolves to have the first pick in this draft. Not only because of Zion, the year after Zion, where even there like the top three picks in that draft all were those oh you don't you don't go off position you go off because they're the best players of this draft like there's no one this year to even John Morant or the RJ Barrett hype that was getting last season before the draft these two drafts that we had are nearly complete opposites this one is a good deep draft but yep. it's got no clear-cut superstar in it. Whereas last year, there was no... It wasn't a very deep draft at all past the top four or five. But the top four or five were generational talents. So, RJ Barrett in this draft, you pick him number one overall? So, I don't really know where RJ would go in this draft. But I think that he would go probably top three. Yep, I would. I would probably agree. But who are you kicking out of the top three? And I'm assuming your top three right now is Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman. It's got to be Lamelo. That's that's understandable given that. He can definitely just be a bust, in a way, and just not improve his shot selection or continue shooting 25% from three. The potential is there. The thing that worries me to death about anyone who's being drafted, and I think that scouts should probably take a deeper look at, is their want. I look at Lamelo, a player like Lamelo, and he's basically been living in a movie ever since high school. He has had so much celebrity exposure already, and you're, you you get worried that he's not like one of those Jimmy Butler grinded out, doesn't come from nothing to get everything, because he's already come from something, and you just worry that he is not always gonna be locked in like Andrew Wiggins. But, it's funny you say that, since the Wolves have the number one pick again. Well, is Wiggins the best player from that draft? Remind me, who else was in that draft? I can pull up the draft in a minute. But what are your thoughts on Denny of Dia from Israel? Alright, so I've heard a lot of good things about Denny. And I think that he is a top five player in this draft. He is, but I think that 
you said earlier that teams uh, underrated players coming out of Europe back in Luca's draft. I think that it's slowly creeping up to almost being an overrated now for players that are coming out of Europe because of Luca. So I don't know. He's having the same effect on Israel as Luca did in Spain, right? I'm I'm not I'm not sure I would agree with that assessment. I don't think he's anywhere near that good. Well, I mean not like good, but like the height that's coming out of him is maybe more than Luca now because people are saw how Luca turned out and now I feel like they just think that you you'll have a higher chance of drafting a Luca if you take a Vita, right? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. They they see him as coming from the same system and they think that Avita, while he's not the most athletic player on the board, that he might be the most NBA ready and might step in and become a superstar as the way Luca did. Yep. So it, it just kind of just... worries me that teams out there are starting to overrate overseas players because they come from overseas. Yeah, and some, some NBA front offices have never seen these players play. That is that is hundred percent true, and even try to get a workout with these guys that are living across countries in a global pandemic. Like that's, I don't think a lot of NBA teams have taken the necessary steps to get a, scout international scout, prospects. Well, not even international in this draft, but any prospects, just because of the restrictions the NBA has put on teams to scout each players like you need to pass like three covid tests to go scout a player before getting on the plane and actually go in there like it's just, it's just really hard for nba executives to find time in their schedules and go just go and pure scout players yep i would probably agree so i pulled up the uh 2014 NBA draft. Here are the top 10 picks from that draft. One was Wiggins, two was Jabari Parker, three was Joel Embiid, four was Aaron Gordon, five was Dante Exum, six was Marcus Smart, seven was Julius Randle, eight was Nick Stauskas, nine was Noah Vonley, and 10 was Alfred Payton. Some other notables in this draft include Zach Levine, TJ Warren, Bubble God, Rodney Hood, Gary Harris, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Isn't he a free agent? Is he a free agent? I believe that he just signed that big deal with uh, Utah last year. Oh, and then he ended up being injured for most of the playoffs. Yeah, he did not travel to the bubble due to injury. Joe Harris was a second round pick that year. Jeremy Grant was a second round pick that year. Jokic was a second round pick that year. Dwight Powell was a second round pick. Jordan Clarkson was. Joker. Yeah, so... Of those names, how many of those would you rank before Wiggins? Jokic. Honestly, probably a lot of them. Yeah. Jokic, Embiid. Would you rate Aaron Gordon ahead of Wiggins? I would rate Zach Levine ahead of Wiggins. I really want to see what Wiggins does this upcoming season with the Warriors and whether he actually steps up. Yeah, that's another... Uh name that we're watching on the trade market do you think that the how I view it I think the Warriors should give him a longer chance to see how that group meshes meshes with Clay and Steph but I can definitely see the Warriors who are actively trying to move him 
I can see them actually pulling a trade off to try to get a better star. Yep, I would probably agree with that. But also, a starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Raymond, and James Wiseman. That's a top three seed in the conference. Write that down. Uh, I think we already have you down for that prediction. Yep. But that is a very scary team. If everyone comes back healthy, and if Wiggins is the player that everyone thought he would be, if it was just he needed a new a change of scenery. All right, so number one pick, you have Lamelo going. Yep. What are your thoughts on the likelihood of that pick being traded? The number one overall pick? Yep. Recently, we have heard reports linking them to the Hornets, swapping picks for the third so the Hornets can pick Wiseman, who they really like. And I think that the Warriors sitting at two is a big goes is a big reason why they want to uh, trade up to the number one pick just so they can lock down Wiseman and don't have to worry about the Warriors taking him. There's there's another there's another center in this draft that I have top five. Who's which that? is why I don't think they're trading up. The Hornets, I don't think they're trading up to pick Wiseman. Onyeka Okongwu. Freshman out of USC. Yep. I think he's strong, mobile, finish can finish up the rim at the rim. Yeah. And he has great leaping ability, you know, he can be a lot threat in the league. Yep, he is a 6'9 center, 245 pounds. And he's very dominant down in the post, even though he's, I don't think he, he's quite comparable to Wiseman, but... Yeah, hey, I think he can be great on the defensive end. He averaged 1.6 steals and 3.5 blocks for 40 minutes. I think he has great timing. And he can switch on to the perimeter and guard smaller guards. He's laterally quick enough. He's like a bam at a bio, you're saying? Yeah, he stays down on jump fakes, contest jumpers. Hey, let's just remember, bam at a bio was one of the best players in the finals this year. So, that's a pretty good comparison. Yep. But Bam also had the Jimmy Butler to help him. I feel like Jimmy Butler on a team helps it helps give a team discipline because of the way Jimmy was brought up, you know. His work ethic. His work his worth his work ethic. But being a center at six nine does scare me. But we we've seen it be able to work though in the league today with a lot of teams going small ball especially for a team like the Rockets I think he's a better center than PJ Tucker and Daniel Tye well the Rockets are a bit of a sneaky team right now news just dropped literally a couple minutes ago that Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston One year after the Rockets gave up multiple first-round picks to get off of the Chris Paul contract and acquire Russell Westbrook, Westbrook wants out of Houston. That contract, by the way, became a dunk. Two firsts? Yeah, I don't think that it went the way the Rockets were expecting at all, and I think that... The Thunder got almost a best-case scenario out of this deal. And they did so well. Yeah, last year, or, well, not last year because of this pandemic, but last summer at this time, a lot of people were talking about Chris Paul being the worst contract in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the Rockets had to give up uh, multiple first-round picks to get off his contract says something. But the return they got 
now seems worse than what they gave up. Far worse. If you remember that team with Chris Paul, they almost won the chip. So we might see a team like the Rockets now trying to trade Russell Westbrook for maybe one of these top lottery picks this year. Mm, I'm not sure, so sure about that one. Maybe, maybe if a team like the Rock or if the Rockets are interested in a small center like a Kongu, the guy we were just talking about, mm-hmm. might fit their build better. Yeah, but you have to make the money work. So who is it? Still, so, Okongu is supposed to go number five. Who is the fifth pick? He's projected number five. The the fifth pick this year goes to the Cavaliers. Hmm. Cool. Who have Drummond and Love down there yep. already? So, but they also have a good backcourt right or a young backcourt right now, in. Sexton and Garland. Yeah, Sexton and Garland. That I don't think they want to split up, but I could see maybe a package, including one of those two guards, and the sixth pick, or the fifth pick to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook, if the Cavs were looking to win now. But I don't think that that roster is built to win now as it is, and I don't think adding Russ to it will help it win now either. Yep. Definitely agree with that. So, and I don't. Oof. Do you think that the Hawks would take a flyer on a Russell Westbrook? Because we know that Trey Young wants to win now, and the Hawks don't want him to get impatient and try to win now, get a Russell Westbrook to compliment Trey Young. I think it definitely helped. With the defensive backcourt, just having Russell there to just cover up for Trey. Because but at the same time, they don't they don't necessarily have to go at Russell to three point line, and that can just let that team, you know, funnel Trey into difficult situations. Yeah. We have heard the Hawks linked to point guards' names like Drew Holiday, though. So, if they are unable to reach a deal with the Pelicans to get Drew Holiday, uh, Russell Westbrook could be another point guard that the Hawks might try to target to help make that a playoff team in the East. A very weak East, I may add. I believe that there was seven team or seven teams or something in the east that did not hit 30 wins or more last season while there was only two in the western conference them being the timberwolves and the warriors <laughs> the hawks could get a playoff spot if they acquire a russell westbrook or a drew holiday i feel like to go along I, with I, their young core definitely think there's potential there but who do you give up for westbrook to make the money work well, we've heard John Collins' name. I'm not sure the the Hawks want to let Collins go. Well, we've heard his names and name in other uh, packages. Not maybe Herder. Herder is another name that you could package, but you just got Clint Capella, so you have a little more like leeway to get rid of a Collins, but. How how valuable do they see a John Collins? And how valuable do they see a Russell Westbrook? And how much do they think that Russ can add to their team? Yep, definitely potential there, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it happens. Another team that we've seen Russ's name attached to, though, is the Knicks have the eighth pick. The New York Knicks. Yep. That does not sound good for either party. Here's why it sounds good, though. Or here's why the Knicks want to make it work. They just want 
a superstar back in New York. And they think that Russ can fit that fold. I've also heard Chris Paul's name linked there. Especially if Carmelo goes back. I think the only way the New York Knicks land any superstars by the trade deadline if is if multiple superstars plan to go to the Knicks. Would you like to name those multiple superstars? No. But I could definitely see, like you said, Melo, Chris Paul, Westbrook. I don't know. I just think that the Knicks are need someone like Westbrook. And I think that Westbrook would be better on a team like the Knicks because we've seen what he can do when he's not next to another superstar. He's the MVP of the league. Yeah, well, he, he may go back to his averaging a triple-double and stuff like that. But oh, I definitely think that I don't think his they even stats would get back up. I don't and think they make the playoffs. I, yeah, I, I don't think that that would be a top playoff team at all. But maybe sneaking in as an eighth seed, I can see happening, especially in the weak East. And then we can add another first-round exit to Russell Westbrook's amazing career playoff resume. Aside from Kevin Durant. <laughs> so uh, let's get into the second pick. We got the Warriors choosing. This is where a lot of the Wiseman steam is coming from. Yep. So seven five wingspan. Big man. Yeah, he can definitely help fill that void they have at the center position. And he has a great touch around the rim. He can finish softly. He has great footwork. He can create for himself, which I think is really important. And he's just so explosive. Yep, I've seen uh, comparisons to David Robinson, who was just looking back at highlights and everything, just a beast down low. Mm-hmm. And really helped that Spurs team uh, later in his career, but especially when Tim Duncan came, those two was one of the best pairings in the league at the time. Yep. Do you see any trade the Warriors could make for, with uh, involving that number two pick and trying to get a win-now type player? If I was the Warriors' front office, I would honestly just stick to my pick and pick Wiseman because I know Steph and Clay are going to be like still extremely productive down the road, and I know I can develop Wiseman and Steve Kirk can help with that. I think he's a great coach. All right, I I also agree with you, but for the fun of this, I've got a trade for you. I'm about to see if this works in the trading machine. All right. But it is a trade involving the Golden State Warriors and Detroit Pistons. How do you like this? A, maybe try to package Wiggins in the number two pick for like a Blake Griffin. If I am the Detroit Pistons, I would take that deal and run away with it before the Warriors front office change their mind because I think it's a terrible move for the Warriors. Alright. Would I rather have Wiggins, who might still break out, is still developing, or just an old, worn-out Blake Griffin, super injury-prone, huge contract. See, that, I think that's the biggest issue with him, though, is, it, is the injuries. I think that he can still be a very competent player yep. in today's league and take away the injuries. He is still one of the better players in this league. I honestly think Detroit's the shakiest team in the league right now. Yeah, looking at their roster, they do not have... It just looks like a lot of cap problems and not a lot of good players. Except for Luke Kennard, the one and only. Yes, Luke Kennard. But, I don't know. 
Well, it would it would be you you would also swap first round picks. So you would go down from two to seven or something or or six. Seven. Who would they want at seven? Maybe uh, point guard behind Steph, Tyrese Halliburton. Well, maybe that's where they could try to hope that Okongwu drops, and you can pick Okongwu yep. at seven, and still uh, fill in. Ha- just have them learn under Blake Griffin. I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah, it would be. It would be just make this even more fun for us. I just feel like if something like that happened. So the third pick goes to the Hornets, who we already said have a lot of interest in James Wiseman. I could see the Hornets totally just selecting Anthony Edwards, though, if he's still available, or even LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I think that Jordan would would try to hammer in some good sense into Anthony Edwards and hope that they they can get max production out of him. And max production could be the best player in this draft. I think Anthony Edwards, if he went to the Charlotte Hornets, would be a great fit just for his personal growth as a player and just acquiring that grind mentality like you were talking about with other players like Jimmy Butler, especially since Michael Jordan is one of the only black owners of the team right now. I think he is the only black owner. Here's one thing I've noticed with Anthony Edwards. In all of his interviews, to me personally, he seems very sure of his ability, but he's also constantly thrown around phrases like, usually when I'm going downhill, the defender's always smaller than me. Yeah, and which it's, it's time to realize that w- once you're in the league, you're not going to be everyone's the most athletic league. player on the court anymore. Yep. Yeah, which scares me with Wiseman also that He never has won at any level in his basketball career, not high school, not college. His teams have never been a winning team. Nope. And And he's so inconsistent on defense. Very inconsistent. Yeah, his draft comparison, according to NBADraftRoom.com, is a bigger Victor Oladipo. That sounds like a pretty good player to me. Not gonna lie. I would, yeah. Aside from all the injuries, I would love Victor Oladipo on my team. Yep. But a bigger version of him, I would definitely sign up for. Strong first step, bouncy off both feet. Finish with contact. He's he's just very streaky from downtown. And I think that's from from an athletic perspective and just amazing athleticism is he's the best player in this draft. But okay. I feel like he's got a lot of raw talent there that coaches can have fun trying to mold. And uh, his shot is just very inconsistent. Yep, extremely streaky. And I think he shot only 29% from three at Georgia, which isn't terrible, but it's also below league average. Another problem I have with Edward is his terrible off-ball movement. He's been the best uh, player and primary ball handler on his team throughout his time at Georgia. And I don't think he's had any chance to explore cutting and just movement off the ball, relocating, stuff like that. So I think he has miles to go before any of those comparisons like D-Wade actually start to make sense. Yep, he's got to learn to be more mature and just 
know how to play with others because on all the teams he's played on, he's nearly always been the best player on the court, most athletic player on the court. And he can just run by, jump over, and run through everyone. Mm-hmm. Number four, we got the Bulls drafting. This is uh, considered one of the best draft positions in this class, being number four, due to there not being any superstars in the draft, or superstar talent, I should say. Before before we decide who they'll pick, though, Wendell Carter Jr., where does he go in this draft, knowing what you know now? Well, I'd say coming out of Duke, uh, he'd probably be number one. But I don't think the Bulls have used him quite right in his couple years that he's been in the league. So I think that he'd also be a top three pick still. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would probably agree. I have... Um, the NBA draft ranks Danny Avdia at four, but I don't think the Bulls will select him just because they have Markin in already, and like I said, one of course Jr. But I feel like that Avdia would be more of a three, and would help fill like a big a bigger wing role for that team. So you'd have Kobe White, Zach Levine, Avdia. Markinen and Wendell Carter as your top as your starting five. I feel like that um they should they should try to get a good wing player to add to their roster in this situation. Or even if they wanna try to hopefully get Lamello and add to their team because I feel like that the Bulls want LaMelo. Here's of the stats. Last year. Four points. One turnover. No blocks. Half a steal. One assist. On Not great three point shooting, twenty seven percent. He is not ambidextrous. He gets very irritable and loses possessions when he's funneled to the left side of the court. I think he has some potential to pass out of the pick and roll, but I've not seen enough positions with him as a ball handler to be comfortable giving him the ball in that situation. So I'm throwing anyone out of the top five is probably him. Yeah, those stats are very underwhelming. And I think that that's where the uh, Luka comparisons drop off because coming out, coming into the draft, Luka was the reigning EuroLeague MVP and put up really good stats compared to those. Yep, Luka's stats, I think, were 16 points, 5 assists, 81% 81% from the line compared to Avdia's 58 and 33% from three for Luca. Was he younger? Was Luca younger than Avdia was uh, at the time of his draft? So, how, how, how old is Luca right now? Like 20, 21 right now. Yeah, I think he was, I think he's 20 or 21. Luca's 21 right now, and Avdia is 19. I think they were the same age. Coming in. Alright. But also Luca was playing in the EuroLeague, and one of the best players in the EuroLeague by the time he was 17, right? Yup. Whereas, Avida isn't. Really not. He's up. I think he can be a good spot up 
three guy in the league. And I don't think he's laterally quick enough to guard any of the big wings. I think if I have him guarding Jason Tatum, I think that's a matchup I'm not comfortable with all game. I agree. Or even someone like Andrew Wiggins. I don't think I'd like Abdiya guarding him on my team. But definitely still potential. Maybe, you know, he's great off the pick and roll. Jokic-esque, if we can say that now. And he's a poor three, uh, free throw shooter. 58%. He is the number one rated uh, small forward in this draft, though. Yep. That's just, I think, I feel like that's just because Obi Toppin is technically a power forward. I'm glad you brought up Obi Toppin. I would honestly select him over up the air. Toppin, I think, just <coughs> no upside, no real upside on the defensive end. He's not polishing the perimeter, and that might might have been a part of the reason why he was at college for four years. But I do think he can be a good shot blocker when he's engaged. I think his vertical is decent. I think he's one of the most efficient transition finishers right now. Or in college basketball, I think he can be a lob threat. But his defense does worry me, and I don't think he's going to be have a very good touch from behind the arc. All right, very valid. Let's take a little break, and we'll come back with free agency talk next. All right, we're back here to talk about some NBA free agency. I feel like this is pretty fitting, like the draft. This uh, free agency is pretty underwhelming, especially compared to other recent years. The number one name that we're watching is Anthony Davis with that player option. But I feel like you can basically write him in as a Laker next year. Yep, I would probably agree with that. And then there's some restricted players like Brandon Ingram and uh, Bogdanovich on the Kings. I think Ingram resigns. And Malik Beasley on the Wolves. That can get paid wherever they What happened? What happened with Malik Beasley? Yeah, so he's got a couple of charges placed against him. Ooh, what kind of charges? So he was caught having drugs, and uh, also he is being charged with aiming a gun at people, including his son. On that it sounds very tricky. On um separate occasions. Hmm. So I feel like that that will cause his um value to go down in free agency the wolves might be able to keep him at a lower number than they originally thought that they might have to pay him which is probably was probably going to be north of 10 million a year but now hopefully they can get a better bargain yep but i feel like the players like a Brandon Ingram who are restricted are going to get a couple of offer sheets from bad teams that have a lot of cap space like maybe the Knicks to try to bring him in. Do you see the Pelicans trying to match any offers that are say north of 20 million a year? I think Brandon Ingram resigns with the Pelicans no matter what. He is a restricted free agent though. So that means that team that he is basically tied to the Pelicans, but teams can come and offer him a contract, but it gives the Pelicans a chance to match the contract. And if they match the contract, then he stays as a Pelican. But if they don't match the contract, then he becomes a free agent and can sign with that team. 
I think whatever the deal is, the Pelicans will match it. I think he says with the Pelicans. I'm not even sure if he'll get offered a deal. Well, I think he gets offered a deal, but say the Knicks just go whole Knicks mode and think that he can be their next star and offer him a near-max contract. If the New York Knicks offer Brandon Ingram a near-max deal, I do not think the Pelicans should match it. What do you think his mark is that you just say goodbye to him? Like, what amount of Well, I'd obviously just, like, try to get something in return from him, for him. Potentially trade him even if he clearly wants out. Or do a sign-and-trade, like yep. the Nets did last year for Kevin Durant in mm. sending D'Angelo Russell over. Yep. So you think that a sign-and-trade is more likely than him getting signed to a big deal? Yes. All right. <clears throat> How about Fred Van Vliet? What, what do you see his uh, number being? He came out today and said that he was going to try to get as much money as he can. So I think Toronto should try their hardest to keep him. I think he's an integral part of the offense that Nick Nurse wants there. I don't know. I think he could go to the Miami Heat. Now the question with that is, are the Heat willing to give up? Well, this is in case... Their cap space. Drogic leaves. Yeah. Alright. What? How much do you think uh, Van Vliet would make, though? Because I have him in the tier under the max contract. But he'll probably get... I'd say he'd probably get north of 18 mil a year. Yeah. I'd put him in between the 18 to 24 mil. I feel like that's what he'd get each year. Mm-hmm. What was his deal before? Two years, 18 mil? With the Raptors? Yep, two years, 18 mil. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about his contract. I think that he'll double that with a team, or he should be able to double that. Mm-hmm. But it it could be a bigger deal. Like the one Malcolm Brogdon got. Which I think was four years, $85 million. Yeah, I, I see him in a Malcolm Brogdon type contract scenario. Yeah. Who was also a sign in trade. I, I think he could definitely go go up there around $80, $90 million for four years. Yeah, do you see the Raptors paying that for him? To re-sign him? The Raptors right now and for the past two years have had him for very cheap. So I'm not sure if they're willing to pay that kind of money. But if I was if I was in the Raptors turned out position, I would I I would match the offer. I feel like I'd be willing to pay. So I believe that. He is unrestricted though, so he can go anywhere. Yeah. I I, I honestly don't think he would want to leave. Given they won a chip the year, two years prior, and were in playoff contention, or were in title contention this past year. Yeah, there's a another player out there that is has a player option this year, but has been linked to a lot of trade talk, and that is Gordon Hayward. Ooh. Now, the Celtics came out today and said that they're very interested in moving up to that sixth spot that the Hawks are in. And we know the Hawks are looking to deal that for Drew Holiday. Yep. But do you see uh, Gordon Hayward re-signing, or signing his player option that is worth north of $30 million, I think? Yeah, $34 million a year. Or for the year. I think the Celts want to move Hayward more than Hayward wants to relocate. Yeah, I think it's just been a terrible 
situation for him. He signed that big deal four years ago, that four-year contract. And literally, first five minutes of that game, his first game as a Celtic, he goes down with that gruesome ankle injury. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like the la since that injury, he had not been the same, but he has started to become more confident in his ankle again last season. And he was really making progress to become what he was with Utah. But he once again suffered an ankle injury in the bubble this season. And it could push his confidence back even more, especially at the age of 30. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like once players hit 30, that they become more injury prone, especially when you are coming off at least one major injury and lots of little injuries that have kept you out of games in the past. Yep. I, I would probably agree with that. I, I have a trade for you. Let's hear it. Celtics get Miles Turner, Laurie Markkinen, Sadoransky, and Jeremy Lamb. The Pacers get Otto Porter, Romeo Langford, 2020 Memphis first-round pick, 2020 Milwaukee first-round pick, and the Bulls get Gordon Hayward and Daniel Tice. So it's a three-team trade between the Pacers, Bulls, and Celtics. Yep. And the Celtics somehow get both Miles Turner and Lowry Markkinen. That's only giving up Hayward. No, no, no. The Celtics get Turner, Sadoransky, and Jeremy Lamb. Oh, I thought you said that they get Markinen too. No. All right. So they they give up. I do have a trade involving Markinen though. If you want to hear it. For Hayward. Yep. All right. Let's hear it. The same three teams, but. The Celtics now get Miles Turner, Laurie Markkinen, Thomas Sadoransky, Edmund Sumner. The Bulls get Gordon Hayward, Victor Oladipo, Aaron Holiday, Carson Edwards, or Vincent Fourier. The Pacers get Otto Porter, Kobe White, Otto Porter or Kobe White, Thaddeus Young, Romeo Langford, 2020 Memphis first round pick. 2020 Milwaukee first-round pick, 2020 Boston first-round pick, 2022 Boston first-round pick. So, in this one, they get both Miles, Turner, and Markkinen, right? Yep. So I but think they're they giving up a lot of picks, and Hayward, and Carson Edwards. Alright, the picks don't really bother me, because you're trying to win now, so the pick shouldn't even be that those that good of first-round picks anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting both Larry Markkinen and Miles Turner, that's immediately a win if you're a Celtics fan. Yep. The team that I feel would not like this trade the most is probably the Bulls. Ooh, the Bulls? Because here's what the I, I don't, Bulls are I don't think though. I don't think Oladipo fits in that on that team. That, that is understandable. He is basically a worse Zach Levine, or a Zach Levine that can't shoot as well. All right, how about this trade? Hmm. The Celtics get Zach Levine and Thaddeus Young. The Bulls get Gordon Hayward, Romeo Langford. 2020 Memphis first round pick, 2020 Boston first round pick, 2020 Milwaukee first round pick. What pick is that Memphis pick? Oh, I'm not sure, but I can look it up. Alright, it's 14th. Yeah. They had the four, uh, so they'd be trading the 14th pick along with Gordon Hayward. Romeo Langford. And the 2020 Boston pick and the 2020 Milwaukee. So they have Milwaukee's first round pick? Yep. And they have their own first round. 
All right, so those picks are 30th and 26th. Yep, so the 14th, 30, 14th, 26th, 30th pick, Romeo Langford and Gordon Hayward for Zach Levine at Daddy's Hill. I don't like that trade from the Bulls again. Hmm. It's a lot of picks. It is, but they're all not great. Not that great of picks. Two near the bottom, two bottom five first round picks, and a bottom lottery pick. Yo. I, I don't see the Celtics. I mean, the Bulls entertaining that for too long. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. Especially if you're giving up a Zach Levine. Do you like that fit, though, of Levine on the Celtics? I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think I'm still a little concerned about Levine on the defensive end. I think the Celtics are defensively very sound right now, except for that center spot. But I do think the Zach Levine offensively can help. And they could use Thaddeus Young's to steal for the trade deadline next summer, potentially. Use them as just trading stash. Yeah, I can see that also. So before we go, what is one reckless thing that you think that is going to happen in this free agency? Whether it's a trade or a surprise signing, what is one reckless speculation that you have? Or or in the draft, you can pick. Here's, here's what I'll say. Anthony Edwards is a bust. Also, I think the Timberwolves are going to pick him. And yeah. I honestly think it's just a loop of what happened with Wiggins. Yeah, that when I see Edwards, I can't help but seeing Wiggins 2.0, especially if he comes here. Inconsistent effort, doesn't want to play on the defensive end, questionable shot selection, not great from three-point line, doesn't like to pass the ball a lot. I'm just, I don't see it. If I'm a Timberwolves fan, I am very nervous because even with this new resume we have leading our team, our new front office, I think last year we we have to be pretty nervous that they missed that bat on the Culver pick and are already trying to trade him. We've seen reports come out that they might package the number one pick with him and try to go down to number six and get someone from the Hawks, maybe. Or they might be in a three-team trade so the Hawks can get Drew Holiday. But I think that if you're a Wolves fan, you should be very nervous because... Yeah, I, I, I because think Culver has less value than the first pick, honestly. Because not only did you pick Culver, you moved up in the draft and took him. Yeah. So... We might think that what happened in 2009 might not happen again because we have a different front office and smarter people. But I think if last year has taught us anything that you should be not quite as confident in this front office as you might be because they're really 0 for 1 on lottery picks in their career. It's a small sample size, but you got to be worried either way. I would agree. I never forget. It's a Minnesota sports team. So It's a Minnesota sports team. Stay away for anyone that might want to hop on a bandwagon for some reason. Even if we're good, you can always count on us to screw it up. All right, that thing that will wrap things up today on the tip off. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Yep, thanks for joining me on off. We'll see you later this week to write that down. And thank you guys for listening. So please leave us a five star rating and a positive review. Would be greatly appreciated. And spread the word about the tip off.
Thanks, guys.